Northridge Skinwalker Chronicles Chapter 1 Memories of Northridge, 1980 Northridge wasn't just any rural community in northern Alaska. It's where I grew up. Back in the early 80s, it was a kind of place where everyone knew everyone, and the vast expanse of the wilderness that surrounded us was both our playground and our prison. The wooden houses, although worn by time, stood resilient against the harsh Alaskan weather, each one holding stories of generations that have called this place home. I remember the summer of 82 clearly. I had just graduated from high school, and like most of my peers, I took up a job in town. My best friend, Ethan, and I found ourselves working in local stores in town. I was at Thompson Groceries, arranging cans and listening to the old radio that always played tunes from the 60s, while Ethan was a few blocks down the street at Miller's Hardware. Life was simple. Our biggest adventure was planning weekend hikes or fishing trips. But as the golden hues of summer began to fade, replaced by the fiery colors of fall, a series of unsettling events began to unfold. It started with Mr. Patterson's dog, Buddy, going missing. Then Mrs. O'Connor's cat. Soon more pets disappeared, and the whispers of worry turned into hushed conversations of fear. The community, which once thrived on open conversation and communication, became very tight-lipped. Doors that were once left unlocked were now bolted. Children were no longer seen playing outside after dusk. Ethan and I, driven by youthful curiosity and a hint of bravado, began to piece together these strange occurrences. We started to notice patterns, like the odd markings on trees, or the eerie silence that had befallen certain parts of the woods. It felt like the very land was holding its breath, waiting for something. Today, few in Northbridge speak of that time. Those who remember prefer to leave the past buried, dismissing it as mass hysteria or the wild imagination of youngsters. But Ethan and I, we know what we saw, what we felt. And while the specifics may have faded with time, the haunting memory of that year, when the legend of the skinwalker seemed all too real, remains etched in our minds. Chapter 2, The Unspoken Fear the disappearances continued. It wasn't just pets anymore. Livestock from the local farms began to vanish without a trace. Cattle, sheep, even a horse. The community was on edge, and the once bustling town center became all too eerily quiet. Conversations were whispered, eyes darted nervously, and the unspoken fear hung in the air. One evening, as the sun dipped below the horizon, Casting long shadows across the landscape, Ethan and I decided to go visit Old Man Jenkins. He was the one oldest resident of Northridge and lived here long before any of us were born. If anyone knew what was going on with these strange happenings, it would be him. His cabin, located on the outskirts of town, was a relic from a bygone era. As we approached, the faint aroma of burnt wood, tobacco, greeted us wafting through the air. Then out came Jenkins, a frail figure 
deep set eyes, long white beard. He welcomed us in. The room was dimly lit. The walls were adorned with faded photographs and indigenous artifacts. We hesitated. We were unsure of how to approach the subject, but Jenkins, with intuition that comes from a lifetime of experience, began to speak. You boys are here about the disappearances, aren't you? He asked with his raspy voice. We nodded. He continued, there are things in the woods, ancient things that the modern world has forgotten, but they have not forgotten us. He then began to recount a tale from his youth, a story passed down through generations. It was a legend of a skinwalker, a malevolent entity capable of taking the form of any creature it desired. As he spoke, the weight of the eerie reality began to sink in for both Ethan and I self. The markings we had seen on the trees, the eerie silence in parts of the forest, the unexplained disappearances, they all pointed to the same presence of a supernatural being. Jenkins warned us, stay away from that danger, urging us to stay away from the woods, especially at night. But curiosity, combined with reckless youth, drove us to seek answers. We needed to know if the legend was real, and if so, how to protect our community. The following weeks were a blur of research, late-night stakeouts, and hushed conversations. We gathered evidence, we spoke to other elders in the community, we even ventured out into the heart of the forest, armed with little more than our wits and a flashlight. One faithful night, we camped out near a clearing, and we heard it, a low growl, followed by an unmistakable sound of footsteps. Turning our flashlights in the direction of the noise, we caught a fleeting glimpse of a creature, its form constantly shifting, its eyes glowing with malevolence. We fled, our hearts pounding, the chilling realization that the legend was real fresh in our minds, we had come face to face with a skinwalker. To this day, many in Northridge refuse to speak of that time, the fear, the uncertainty, the very real threat that loomed over us. It's a chapter in our history most would rather forget, but the truth needs to be told for the sake of those who live it and for future generations. The skinwalker was real and its shadow still lingers over the woods of Northridge. Chapter 3, Whispers of the Past The annual Celestial Round Dance was one of the few occasions where the entire community of Northridge would come together. It was a celebration of life, nature, and the spirits that watched over us. The rhythmic beat of the drums, the mesmerizing dance steps, and the haunting melodies of the songs created an atmosphere of reverence and unity. Ethan and I had always enjoyed the festivities, but this year, with the shadow of the skinwalker looming over us, the event took on a whole different tone. As the evening progressed, we found ourselves wandering away from the main celebration towards the sweat lodge. It stood at the edge of the clearing. The sweat lodge, a dome-shaped structure made out of bent willow branches covered in animal hides, was a sacred space. Here, it's where the elders would gather to seek guidance, clean their spirits, 
and connect with the ancestors. As we approach, the soft glow of the fire inside illuminates silhouettes of the elders sitting in a circle. We paused, intending just to pay respects and move on, but the hushed tones of their conversation caught our attention. Every six or seven years it returns, one of the elders was saying. The skinwalker, the far-roaming one, it takes the form of those it has claimed, feeding on the fear and sorrow of our people. Another chimed in, the last time that it was really bad, back in the 1940s, it was much worse. Entire families disappeared and the woods echoed with cries of despair. We must be vigilant, he said. The weight of their words settled heavily on our hearts. The realization this wasn't the first time our community faced such a threat was bone chilling to both Ethan and I. The pattern, the cycle of terror that seemed to repeat every six or seven years, it was undeniable. Driven by a need to understand, Ethan and I dived into the town archives. Pouring over old newspapers, and journals, and records, the evidence was there, clear as day, every six or seven years, starting from in the early 1940s. There were reports of unexplained disappearances, strange sightings, and an overwhelming sense of dread that gripped Northridge. The accounts were eerily similar to what we were experiencing. As we connected the dots, the legend of the Skinwalker began to take on a more sinister form. It wasn't just a creature of myth. It was a very real entity that haunted our community for decades. And with each cycle, its hunger seemed to grow, its actions more brazen. The weight of our discovery was overwhelming. We were torn between the need to warn the community and the fear of inciting further panic. We needed to learn more. The more we realized that knowledge was our best friend and our weapon in this situation. The Skinwalker thrived on fear and ignorance, and by understanding its pattern and its history, we hope to find a way to protect our town. But as I sit here recounting these events, the memories come flooding back the fear grips me once again. The night spent listening, watching, waiting for the next sign of the Skinwalker's presence. The knowledge that could it could be anywhere. It could be anyone. The realization that the past is never truly buried. That some of these legends are too real. Sleep is eluding me. And I find myself wandering in and out of thought. Wondering if the skinwalker is still out there, waiting for its next cycle to begin. Chapter 4 First Encounter The vast Alaskan nights were a canvas of deep blues and blacks, punctuated only by the shimmering stars and the occasional glow of the northern lights or the shining moon. It was on one of those such nights as a silvery light waxing crescent painted the landscape that I had my first real encounter with the entity that had cast a shadow over Northridge. I was on the back porch of my house, enjoying solitude and the cool night air. 
The forest, which bordered our property, stood silent, its trees swaying gently in the breeze. It was then that I noticed it, a pair of glowing eyes piercing through the darkness, staring directly at me. I froze, my heart racing. I tried to make out the figure they belonged to. The creature was near to the forest's edge, its silhouette barely discernible against the backdrop of the trees. Moonlight caught fleeting glimpses of its form, revealing a being that seemed to be trapped between two worlds. It wasn't fully human. Its posture was too hunched over. Its limbs were too elongated, but it wasn't fully animal either. The shape of the body hinted at a wolf, but its features were distorted as if it was caught in the midst of transformation. I wanted to scream, I wanted to run, but I was paralyzed, mixed by fear and fascination. We locked eyes for what felt like an eternity. And then suddenly, as fast as it appeared, the creature retreated back into the depths of the forest, leaving me shaken and questioning my sanity. The next day, I recounted my experience to Ethan. His initial skepticism was replaced with concern as he saw the genuine fear in my eyes. We both knew that this was no ordinary animal, no trick of light. This was the skinwalker and it was real. Despite the terror of the night, our curiosity was piqued. We needed answers, needed to understand what we were dealing with. But as we made efforts to put together plans to investigate all this further, while we were downtown, we were approached by Mr. Naki, one of the town's most respected elders. He had heard about our late night encounter and he had a warning for us. Leave sleeping dogs lie, he cautioned and his voice heavy with concern. Do not seek what you do not understand. You can be changed by what you seek or worse, sought after by what you seek. The intensity of his gaze the gravity of his tone it sent shivers down our spines. But as youth, often blind to danger, we were driven by the need to challenge the unknown, to understand what was going on. Despite Mr. Naki's warning, we felt compelled to uncover the truth. We needed to know what lurked in the woods, what watched us from the shadows. And so, Armed with little more than determination and a sense of adventure, we set out to confront the legend that had haunted our community for generations. Chapter 5. Gathering Evidence Determined to gather tangible proof of the skinwalker's existence, Ethan and I devised a simple plan. We pooled our savings and invested in several trail cameras, the kind that used by wildlife enthusiasts to capture images of elusive animals. These cameras were motion activated. They could even record in the dead of the night using infrared technology. We strategically placed them around the town, focusing on areas where we had heard the creature been spotted 
or where there was unusual activity that had been reported. Several more were set up deep within the forest, especially near the clearing where I had my first encounter. Every morning, we'd go out and collect those memory cards, our hearts pounding with a mix of anticipation and dread. For the first few days, the footage showed nothing out of the ordinary. Deer grazing, birds fluttering, and the occasional fox or raccoon. But then, one evening, as we were reviewing the footage, we stumbled upon something that sent chills down our spine. The camera positioned at the forest edge had captured a series of blurry images. At first glance, it seemed like it was another just another animal. But as we looked closer, the form in the images was constantly shifting, morphing from one shape to another. The moment it appeared humanoid, and the next, it took on the characteristics of a wolf. Its features distorted. It was unsettling. The timestamp on the footage indicated that this was captured just past midnight, the exact time I seen the creature days before. Our suspicions were confirmed. The skinwalker was not a legend. It was very much real and active in Northridge. But as days went by and a growing sense of unease settled over us, it just wasn't knowledge of the creature's existence. It was a feeling, an intuition, that we were no longer the hunters, but the hunted. Nights became restless affairs. Every creak of the floorboards, every rustle outside the window, sent our imaginations into overdrive. It felt as if the darkness itself had eyes upon us, watching our every move and studying us. One particular night, as I lied in bed, the sensation of being observed was so strong that I found myself pulling up the curtains tighter, checking the locks on the doors multiple times, even placing a chair against my bedroom door. The once familiar surroundings of my room now felt foreign and threatening. Ethan confessed to feeling the same. It's like it knows, he whispered during one of our meetings, his eyes darting around nervously. It knows we're onto it, and it's warning us. The line between bravery and foolishness was becoming blurred. We had ventured into the unknown, seeking answers, but we were unprepared and definitely not ready for any potential consequences. The evidence was there, clear as day, but what was the cost? The feeling of being watched, of being prey in our own homes, was the price neither of us had anticipated when we started this initially. Chapter 6, The Skinwalker's Trail The photographs, although blurry, were a treasure trove of information. Beyond the haunting images of the shape-shifting entity, the background revealed subtle clues that Aethon and I hadn't initially noticed. Among them were faint symbols etched into the trees and the rocks, barely visible, but undeniably deliberate. Intrigued, we decided to trace the path captured in the photos. Armed with a map and a sense of growing interpretation, we ventured deeper into the forest than we had ever done so before. The deeper we went, 
the more pronounced the symbols became. They were ancient. Their meaning lost to time, but their purpose was clear. They were guiding us, leading us on a path that our ancestors once treaded. After hours of trekking, we stumbled upon a clearing that was unlike any other. At its center stood a large stone formation arranged in a precise pattern. The ground was littered with remnants of old rituals, charred wood from long extinguished fires, bones of animals, and fragments of ceremonial tools. The air was thick with the energy that was both sacred and foreboding. As we explored the site, a chilling realization dawned upon us. This wasn't just a ceremonial ground. It was a prison. The symbols we had followed were not markers. They were seals designed to trap and contain the skinwalker within this very clearing. The stone formation, it was a cage. The remnants of the rituals, the chains that bound it. But something was amiss. The once strong seals were now faded, their power waning. It was as if, over decades, the strength of banishment had diminished, allowing the skinwalker to adventure out of its prison, albeit for limited periods. Our discovery of the site, our mere presence, it might have further weakened the ancient bonds. The weight of our actions pressed heavily upon us, had our curiosity inadvertently unleashed a terror that the indigenous shamans had worked so hard to contain? The sacred site meant to be a place of power and protection now felt like a ticking time bomb. The journey back to Northridge was a silent one. The joy of discovery was overshadowed by the fear of consequences. We were faced with a dilemma. Do we share our findings with the elders? risking their wrath for trespassing on sacred ground? Or do we keep our discovery secret, hoping the skinwalker bonds would hold? As the night followed, everyone became more restless. Every sound, every shadow was a reminder of the entity that lurked nearby. The sacred site, the skinwalker's trail, had revealed a truth that was both enlightening and terrifying. We had uncovered a place in Northridge's history, but in doing so, we may have also sealed its fate. Chapter 7. Preparation and Strategy The weight of our discovery bore heavily on our shoulders. Every passing day, the sense of urgency grew. The town of Northridge, unbeknownst to most of its residents, was on the brink of a catastrophe. The skinwalker, once bound by ancient rituals, was now free to roam, its power growing with each passing night. Ethan and I knew that we had to act, but confronting such an entity required more than just courage. It would require knowledge, tools, and the wisdom of those who had faced it before. Our first step was to gather artifacts and the tools 
that might aid us. We scoured the town's archives, the local museums, and even private collectors looking for items with historical and spiritual significance. From old talismans to ceremonial daggers, we amassed a collection of items that we hoped would give us some sort of edge. But the tools and artifacts alone weren't enough. We needed to understand the creature, its motivations, its weaknesses. And for that, we had to turn to the very people we had been avoiding, the elders. Approaching the elders was not an easy task. We were met with skepticism, disdain, and even anger. You have treaded on sacred ground, Elder Nikki admonished on us. You have awakened a force that was meant to stay dormant. But we laid out our findings, our fears, and our determination to set things right. The mood shifted. The elders, realizing the gravity of our situation, began to share knowledge. The sacred banishment site, as they explained, was a place of immense power. It was where the skinwalker had been trapped many decades ago, bound by rituals that harnessed the energies of the land, the ancestors, and the spirits. The stone formation was not just a physical barrier, it was a spiritual one, designed to keep the creature in a state of perpetual confinement. But over time, the strength of the rituals waned. The seals faded, the bond had loosened, and the skinwalker had found a way to break free, if only for short periods. Our discovery of the site, our interference, had only further weakened the ancient magic. To confront the skinwalker and restore the bonds that held it, we need to perform new rituals, ones that combined with old ways and new knowledge. The elders drawing from their vast reservoir wisdom began to instruct us. We learned chants that had been passed down through generations, movements that harnessed the energies of the earth and the significance of each artifact we had gathered. Our plan was clear. We would lure the skinwalker back to the banishment site using ourselves as bait. Once there, with the help of the elders, we would initiate the ritual using the artifacts to strengthen the seals and the chance to bind the creature once more. The days leading up to the confrontation were a blur of preparation. We practiced our chants until our voices were harsh, familiarized ourselves with each step of the ritual and mentally prepared ourselves for a battle ahead. The town obviously impeding showdown went about its life with no concern. But for us, every moment was charged with tension. We had a task ahead of us. The night of the confrontation arrived, armed with our tools, guided by the wisdom of elders, and driven by the determination to protect our town, Ace and I headed into the sacred site. The moon hung low in the sky, casting an eerie glow over the clearing. The stage was set. The Battle of Northridge Soul was about to begin. Chapter 8 The Confrontation The night was still, the only sound being the rustling of leaves and the distant hoot of an owl. The moon, full and radiant, bathed the sacred site 
with a silvery glow casting a long dancing shadows on the ground. Ethan and I stood at the center of the stone formation, our breath visible in the cold air, our hearts pounding with anticipation. We had prepared a lure, a concoction of herbs and animal blood, as instructed by the elders. Its scent, poignant and luring, wafted through the air, designed to draw the skinwalker out from its hiding. We waited, every second stretching into an eternity, our senses heightened to every movement, to every sound. And then it began. A low growl, echoing from the depths of the forest, sent a shiver down our spines. The trees rustled, and out of the darkness emerged the creature. Its form was constantly shifting, grotesque dance of transformations. One moment it was a large wolf, its eyes glowing with malevolence, and the next it took on a humanoid shape and its features twisted in rage. The skinwalker, sensing the trap, let out a bone-chilling scream, a sound that seemed to resonate with every soul in the forest. But we stood our ground, clutching our artifacts, reciting our chants to the elders had taught us. The battle that ensued was both physical and spiritual. The skinwalker, using its shape-shifting abilities, attacked us from all angles. The moment it lunged as a bear, its massive claws aiming for our throats, and the next it slithered like a snake, trying to coil around us. But with each attack we countered, using our talismans to ward it off, our voices rising in unison as we chanted binding spells. But the creature was relentless. With each passing minute, it grew more desperate, more ferocious. It tapped into the fears deep within us, conjuring illusions designed to break our spirit, visions of our loved ones in peril, our town in flame, played with our eyes. But before its own strength, we held fast, drawing strength from each other, drawing strength from our knowledge that we were Northridge's last line of defense. The turning point came when Ethan used a ceremonial dagger. He managed to land a blow on the creature. The skinwalker let out a howl of pain, its form destabilizing, its energy waning, seizing the opportunity we intensified our chance our voices echoing through the clearing, amplified by the power of the sacred sight. The air grew thick with tension, charged with energy. The ground trembled. The vortex swirled around us. Lifting leaves and debris, the skinwalker was now trapped within the stone formation, writhed in agony, its form flickering like a faulty light. Then... With a final deafening roar, it was over. The creature, once formidable force of minovance, was now bound once more, its form stabilized, its power contained. The stones glowing with an ethereal light stood as sentinels, guardians of the prison that held the skinwalker. Aeth and I, exhausted and battered, collapsed to the ground, the weight of our ordeal finally catching up to us. The forest, once filled with tension and terror, now returned to its peaceful state. 
the only reminder of the battle being scars on the ground and the stories that would be passed down for generations. The confrontation with the Skinwalker was over, but the legacy would live on. We had faced the ancient evil and merged victorious. But the experience had changed us. We had peered into the abyss and the abyss peered back. The battle was won, but the war, the eternal struggle between light and darkness, would continue. Chapter 9, The Town's Awakening As dawn approached, the once silent forest was now a cacophony of sounds. The howls, roars, and chants from the confrontation had not gone unnoticed. Drawn by the commotion and an unexplainable pull, the townspeople of Northridge began to converge on the sacred site. From the elderly, who had heard whispers of the skinwalker in hushed tones, to the young, who only knew of it as a bedtime story, they all arrived, their faces mixed with fear, curiosity, and determination. They formed a ring around the stone formation, their numbers growing with each passing minute. Ethan and I, still catching our breath from the ordeal, looked up to see familiar faces staring back at us. There was Mrs. Thompson, the town's librarian, with her eyes wide with shock. Young Timmy, clutching his teddy bear, his face pale. Mayor Henderson, his usual confident demeanor replaced with one of concern. But it wasn't just us they were looking at. At the center of the stone formation, the skinwalker, now bound and weakened, writhed in its true form. It was a sight that was both terrifying and mesmerizing. A creature of nightmares, its body a constant shifting mass, its eyes burning with rage and pain. The townspeople gasped and whispered, some even cried. The legend, the story, that had been passed down through the generations was real. And here it was, in all of its malevolent glory, a testament to the dark forces that lurked in the shadows. But as the initial shock wore off, a transformation began to take place. The townspeople, realizing the danger they were in, began to come together. They held hands, forming a human chain around the site, with the elders drawing from their vast reservoir of knowledge, began to lead a community and chant, a powerful spell designated to strengthen the bonds that held the skinwalker. The energy in the clearing was palpable. The combination of strength, belief, and determination of the community created a force field, a barrier that the skinwalker could not penetrate. With each chant, each affirmation of faith, the creature grew weaker, its form becoming more stable, its power waning. Ethan and I joined in, our voices rising in unison with the townspeople. The sacred banishment rituals once performed by select few were now being carried out by the entire community. The skinwalker, once formidable, once a force to be reckoned with, was now at the mercy of the very people it had sought to terrorize. As the sun began to rise, 
casting its golden rays over the clearing, the ritual reached its climax. With a final collective shout, the townspeople sealed the skinwalker's fate, and the creature, now completely bound and powerless, lie dormant, its reign of terror finally at an end. The townspeople, their faces flushed with victory and relief, began to disperse, returning to their homes, their lives forever changed. The legend of the skinwalker, once a story told in hushed tones, was now a shared experience, a testament to the power of community and belief. Ethan and I, standing amidst the remnants of the battle, looked at each other, a mix of exhaustion and pride evident in our eyes. We had faced the ancient evil and with the help of our community, emerged victorious. The town of Northbridge, once plagued by fear and uncertainty, had awakened to its true strength, proving that when people come together, no matter what force, no matter how powerful, they can stand together and make a difference. Chapter 10, Banishing the Beast. The morning sun cast a warm golden hue over Northridge, but the atmosphere at the clearing was anything but serene. The townspeople, having witnessed the true form of the skinwalker, were now united in purpose. The creature, although weakened, was still a threat, and the task of banishing it for once and for all lied ahead. Elder Neke, his face etched with lines of wisdom and age, stepped forward. The beast has been contained, but is not defeated he declared in his voice carrying heavy weight. We must use ancient rituals combined with the strength of our collective belief to banish it to the sacred site. Ethan and I nodded, understanding the gravity of the task. The previous night's conversation had shown us the skinwalker's power. It had also shown its vulnerabilities. With the knowledge imparted by the elders and the unwavering support of the community, we felt prepared. Townspeople formed a wide circle around the stone formation, each person holding a talisman and artifact. Alderneke began to chant his voice deep and resonant, invoking the spirits of the land and ancestors. As he chanted, the elders joined in, their voices rising harmoniously crescendo. Ethan and I stood at the center, directly opposite the skinwalker, using a ceremonial dagger and a bowl of sacred herbs. We began our part of the ritual. The dagger, glowing with an ethereal light, was used to draw protective symbols in the air, while the herbs, when burned, produced a thick, fragrant smoke that enveloped the entire clearing. The skinwalker, sensing the rise in power, began to thrash and howl its form shifting rapidly, desperately trying to break free as a last attempt. But the combined energy of the community held it in place. The bonds tightened with each passing second. The ritual reached its peak. Elder Neke held out a staff adorned with feathers and crystals. 
approached the creature and with a shout, he thrust the shaft into the ground, sending a shockwave energy that rippled throughout the entire clearing. The skinwalker, caught in the blast, let out a final agonizing scream before its form stabilized, becoming a mere shadow of what its former self. With the creature subdued, the townspeople led by Ethan and me began the final phase of banishment, reciting a powerful incantation. We directed the skinwalker towards the sacred site, sealing it within the stone formation. The once threatening entity was now trapped, banished to the sacred site. Its reign of terror brought to an end. The ritual concluded, a palpable sense of relief washed over the clearing. The townspeople, their faces reflecting a mix of exhaustion and triumph, began to disperse, returning to their homes and their lives. But the events of the past few days had left an indelible mark on Northridge. The legend of the Skinwalker, once a distant tale, was now a vivid memory, a haunting reminder the thin line between known and the unknown. Ethan and I, standing amidst the remnants of the battle, exchanged a weary smile. We had faced the unimaginable odds and emerged victorious. But the victory came with a price. The skinwalker, although banished, was not destroyed. The sacred site, once a place of power and protection, was now a prison, a constant reminder of the darkness that lurked just beyond the veil. The town of Northridge had been saved, but the legend of the Skinwalker would live on, a testament to the courage of its people and the eternal struggle between light and darkness. The Aftermath The days following the banishment of the Skinwalker were a whirlwind of emotions for the town of Northridge. The once quiet community was abuzz with tales of confrontation, each retelling a more dramatic than the last. The forest, which had always been a place of beauty and wonder, now held a deeper, more profound significance, its mysteries and legends brought to the forefront. Life in Northridge slowly returned to its usual rhythm. Children played in the streets, shops opened their doors, and families went about their daily routines. But beneath the veneer of normalcy was a newfound respect for the indigenous legends and the untamed wilderness that surrounded them. The tales of the skinwalker, once shared around campfires and bedtime stories, were now discussed openly, a reminder of the town's brush with the supernatural. Ethan and I found ourselves at the center of attention. We were hailed as heroes, our names whispered with reverence and awe. But the accolades and admiration sat uneasy with us. We knew our victory was not ours alone. It was the result of the community's unity. It was the wisdom of the elders and the power of a collective belief. Had we played our part? Yes. But it was the strength of Northridge that truly banished the beast. As the weeks turned into months, the events of that faithful night became a distant memory. 
But for Ethan and me, the experience had left an indelible mark. We had peered into the abyss and emerged changed. Our perceptions broadened. Our beliefs challenged. We had confronted our fears, and in doing so, we had discovered the true meaning of courage, community, and legacy. Years passed. The legend of the Skinwalker became a defining chapter in Northridge history. The sacred site, once a place of power and banishment, was now a landmark. Its stones a testament to the town's resilience and spirit. But with all legends, time has a way of blurring the lines between fact and fiction. The tales of the Skinwalker, once vivid and terrifying, were now shared with a hint of skepticism, their details embellished with each retelling. On a cool autumn evening, a group of teenagers armed with a flashlight and a sense of adventure ventured out into the forest. They had heard the tales, of course, but to them, Skinwalker was merely a story, a myth to be challenged. As they approached the sacred site, they laughed and joked. Their voices echoed through the trees. But as they stood amidst the stone formation, a distant howl pierced the night. The laughter died down, replaced with a palpable sense of ease. The forest, once alive with sound of nature, was eerily silent. In the distance, a shadow moved, its form indistinct, its intentions unknown. The teenagers' bravado was replaced by fear quickly made their way back to town and the tales of the skinwalker were no longer merely a story but a haunting reality. The legend of the skinwalker, it seemed, was not entirely gone. The beast was banished but not defeated. The town of Northridge slept unaware of the events unfolding in the forest. One thing was clear. The saga of the skinwalker was far from over.